Hey there. This is Chad Floyd, the host of the Tar Heel Blog Podcast, talking to you from the future. I just recorded an interview with Richard Cox of Garnet and Black Attack on the SB Nation Network. We talked about the obvious elephant in the room, the North Carolina-South Carolina football game taking place tomorrow in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, We had a really good talk, and I hope y'all enjoy it. In the meantime, go ahead, since uh, you are 20 seconds into this podcast and not super engaged yet, go ahead, leave us a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast feed so you get Don't Punt to Geo, the UNC football show. You get Between the Banners, the UNC basketball show. You get What in Tar Nation, the new show by our co-editors, Brandon Anderson and Tanya Bondurant. Subscribe. You're an idiot if you don't. Keep it locked. Go Heels. Here's Richard now. Richard, good sir. Thank you for joining me. Happy football eve. How are you doing? I'm great, Chad. Thank you for having me on the show. It is a it is a pleasure that you would invite such a mediocre podcast crew on, but we're happy because I don't I could I could do anything right now. Football season's here, dude. We've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but appreciate you having me on. Yeah, uh, as I told you, I w- I'm on about four and a half hours of sleep because I stayed up way too late watching Utah BYU for some reason. Um, we're here, man. We made it. And if you're talking about a mediocre podcasting crew, y'all have a hundred more episodes under your belts than we do. So, um, yeah. Well, y'all, y- y'all are doing does not something right, man. Quality, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're. I think. I think. I think more than anything, I think that uh, that, that you could you could just say that. Uh, much like extended family vacations uh, that you just tolerate people after a while. I believe that our listenership is just more endurance based than anything else. I think at this point they just kind of grin and bear their teeth with us, but happy for another football season. Um, Tell me about what you are thinking about the Tar Heels for this upcoming season. Um, I think I wish this schedule was uh, turned completely upside down for one. Uh, they're very young and inexperienced and not deep on defense, um, which does not bode well. However, uh, they were just so saddled by horrible coaching. Um, let's call it below replacement level quarterback play and just ridiculous amounts of injuries the past two years. But I really don't have a grasp on whether this team has talent, whether it has some depth that's going to dig up. So, you know, I've been following UNC football religiously for almost 20 years now, and this is as hard as I've ever had a time of getting a read on this team. Uh, I mean, just from an outside perspective, what what do you see when you look at the heels? Well, no, I mean, having having been in the situation of a coaching change and a, and a freshman quarterback in the not-so-distant past myself and being very up in the air about a, granted, granted, the Mac Brown situation for you guys is a little bit different. I, 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 can, I can gather that you're not a charter member of the Larry Fedora fan club for some reason or another. It's, it's really weird. I, I get this vibe. The, the people who um, but, the people who tolerate me on this podcast would probably uh, get the same vibe at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, I have a personal distaste for hat visors myself, so you know, I think just on a matter of personal preference, I have to agree with you there. But and you know, as 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 far as I can in insofar as I can tell, I mean the the front seven defensively, there's still a lot of talent 
on the North Carolina roster. Granted, you know, you are installing a new system, and but of course that's not a new system because Mac was there at one time, and Mac's a you know a, a legend in the college game by his own right. Um, but yeah, I I'm gonna tell you what I've had a pulse on UNC football for a while because you know obviously we we've, we've played one another in recent seasons, but I. I I'm going to tell you what I've done a lot of I've done a lot of digging and I can't get a beat on you guys at not even one bit. I, I, I've got a hard enough time figuring out what the heck South Carolina is up to, uh, but UNC seems to be a very big question mark to me. I feel like they've got the talent to be very, very, very scary opponents throughout the ACC slog. But um, yeah, you're right. I don't know. It, it, the, the X factor is young is young talented kids coming in right off the bat against. Uh, not necessarily more veteran squad, but there's just a lot of change right now. And you never really know how that's going to come off. I have a feeling like UNC is going to respond positively to it. But again, I, uh, as, as a lot of the people that listen to our show will tell you, I am constantly wrong. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, and I'm going to ask you the same thing about South Carolina, you know, UNC could open zero and five and it would not shock me. And they could, go beat South Carolina by 20 points tomorrow. And it would not shock me either just because, you know, there are so many variables that if everything clicks great, you know, this is an eight or nine win team, but typically things don't click like that. So let's uh, turn it over to South Carolina. I have been on podcasts and writing and tweeting kind of uh concern trolling South Carolina fans about this schedule, man. Um, what, I mean, th- this is a top 20 team talent-wise. Uh, what's your grasp on how this is going to play out for them long-term? Well, I have a, I have a, I have a somewhat twisted hypothetical theory about how there is the, there's the very real possibility that South Carolina starts one and five and still makes a bowl game. Uh, that's just my crazy brain trying to come up with a conspiracy theory that only a Gamecock fan could really love just because we are masochistic people. (laughs) So so in that situation, you're losing to Kentucky and then uh, knocking out two of Clemson, Florida and uh, A&M starting, starting one and five and finishing seven and five. So you can, you can, you can connect the dots there. That's just the most twisted thing that could ever possibly happen. But I, for one, would be totally down for it because that would be college football at its finest. Uh, and it would include beating Clemson and A&M for the first time ever. So that there is, there's, there's, there's a little bit of feel good in that, but you know, yeah, the schedule is just, I, I mean, it has been, uh, I mean, it really hadn't been beaten into the ground, but it just it, it it is what it is. It is a slog for the first half of the season, and psychologically for a team that can be a really big speed bump to progress. Even though you've got a very talented core group of players, both at the skill positions and then at some of the most fundamental pieces that South Carolina has been lacking, you know, defensive line strength, offensive line consistency, and also, too, health has been an issue for the offensive line. Uh, you've got some core senior leadership at some very pivotal positions. You've got, you, 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 have, you have all the well-rounded pieces of a very capable, talented football team. But the thing is, is you got to go suit up every Saturday and go up play some other teams. It just so happens that the first five – opponents that we face are all 
better than us on paper. I'm going to really? go ahead and just so. say that. Well, I mean, at least when you look at it, I mean, I'm also a pessimistic Gamecock fan, so that 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 tends to play into it some. But you know, Dude, this apart is borderline nihilistic, which man. I feel like. Well, which, which, I mean, you know, apart from, apart from the North Carolina talent matchup, I feel like is, is pretty much if we wanted to go toe for toe, I think it comes out about a wash for a couple of, a couple of tick marks here or there one way or the other. But more than anything, I just, I just feel like we've got some, some, some fighting to do for the first half of the season. And it could make for a very, very, very long end of summer for us. That being said, uh, this team is one of the, is especially since coach Muschamp has gotten here, this is, this is one of those teams that tends to really work its butt off overperform, but they haven't really gotten over the hump yet. You know we're doing we're doing real great on all our quizzes, but when the when time comes for the exam, we still get a B minus. You know that it's the it's the execution on field and just being in the right place at the right time. That was a that was a it's it's kind of a knock against Will Muschamp's career thus far is that you know you can't compete against ranked opponents. I think it's just a matter of so far the chips haven't fallen in the right direction. Partly because you just you just never know. You've got 18 to 23 year old kids playing and there's a lot going on personally. I mean, you just never can tell. It's not like the NFL when you can basically say, okay, here's what's going to happen. Um, there are a lot of other variables and for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out right now, but I think that there's a culture that's been built at South Carolina uh, the last few years that has not necessarily flipped on its head the trend of, oh, well, you got to get it done in two years or hit the road, Jack. Uh, I think that I think that the administration, the athletic, the athletic staff, the amount of work that's been put in is this, this sort of stuff takes time. And I'm hopeful that this year is a turning point for not just for Coach Muschamp's sake, but for a lot of really good senior players. The, the fact of the matter is this team could be this this team could be top 20 talent all day long but there's still a very real possibility that the ceiling this year is 7 wins maybe 8 yeah and so, you know, and for me that's kind of proof of concept for what Muschamp's building because i think you said it where you know they have an identity and their identity is kind of you know, maybe football that made a little bit more sense 12 years ago, but kind of a tough, grinded out, uh, efficient team that's just going to kind of wear you down over four quarters. And I mean, if y'all got eight wins, that I think would be big time proof of concept. Uh, all those seniors you mentioned, I mean, you look at Jake Bentley, Rico Dowdle, Javon Kinlaw, who was a Juco, but um, DJ Wanham, TJ Brunson, like all those dudes have been playing for four years. So, you know, they kind of are Will Muschamp's program. They are. And, you know, through throughout the throughout his tenure thus far, if you know, if when we finally get senior leadership. And keep them healthy for, you know, let's let's say let's say three quarters of the season. He's got he's had some really darn good football teams at South Carolina. There have just been 
some extenuating circumstances that have kept them from getting over that crest. This year's not going to be a 10-win season. No chance. Uh, but would a but would it but could it still be a success on paper and on the field if they win seven games? Absolutely, friggin' lutely. Um, if y'all get seven gonna five, y'all are going to y'all are going to house some hapless team in like Nashville or something. That is going to be one of the most depressing pre-New Year's bowl games ever because I mean we're going to wind up playing. I, I don't know. Pick a pick a mid-major uh bowling green we're gonna just crush bowling green and that's gonna not really prove much of anything but there are some really big there's there, there's some really big in-season situ- uh, goals i think for that team there's some teams that obviously they haven't yet beaten on the schedule there's the big two uh some conference rivalries that could go one way or the other uh, but have leaned heavily in the other direction the last couple of years i'm just i'm just excited to see how the team performs especially this first week i am really looking forward to this game because like you said there's really a lot of question marks and you know the as soon as the season kicks off you gotta start proving it from day one and so if this team's got the talent got the leadership gelling they got to prove it from day one. Well, well, let's talk about day one then. Um, I'm going to defer the decision to the second half. Let's talk about when uh, South Carolina has the ball. Uh, you've got Jake Bentley. He is kind of what he is. Um, do you expect him to still kind of be the mistake-prone guy that we've seen, you know, here and there throughout three years? Do you think he kind of takes a step forward as a senior, or is Ryan Hilsinki going to play tomorrow? No, I do not. I do not see Ryan Helsinki playing if unless things get out of hand, which I do not see. Will Muschamp teams are not generally known for blowing opponents out. Let's just say that. I I do expect a very close game all day tomorrow. Uh, You know, I think to to your point, yes, Jake Bentley can be accident prone, but I think that a lot of that just stems from the fact that he is a very adrenaline momentum spur of the moment type of a player that just acts rather than uh, I'm not going to say planning so much because he has matured a lot over his college career um, insofar as that at least nobody's talking about how he should still be in high school yet. I mean, that's really the positive thing for me. and. If there if there was a if there was a character flaw that has tended to just evolve its way out of Jake Bentley's system over his four years, it's been his ability to sit in the pocket just a little bit longer. He always was a very antsy pocket passer. He would take his drop and immediately be on the run side to side and that, I, I believe that affected his ability to read coverage and to look downfield for open receivers he was never a big fan of a dump ball his first couple of years at South Carolina and that got him in trouble whenever whenever the home run wasn't an option then he was forced to scramble and try and make something happen uh, then that's I, I, I think that's where a lot of the a lot of the tendency for him to make 
split decisions and some of those just didn't exactly work out because he was gambling a lot. He's gotten a lot more patient with himself and a lot more comfortable within the offense. Now, does that does that lend itself to having more time to build relationships and get to know, understand the idiosyncrasies of the wide receivers and the tight ends that you're throwing to? Does it just come with age? I'm not really sure which one is the actual factor there, but uh, Bentley's become a lot more comfortable in his own skin, I think. And for for the lack of for the lack of a better way to put this, um, I think that he will be much, much, much more capable this year as a player insofar that there is now a fairly wide stable of running back talent. Now, we have had some unfortunate news about losing some Y'all, really great that. tight Y'all, ends. Yeah, you lost that Hill Pollard. Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a situation where the health and safety of the kid is first and foremost, and, I'm, and I, for one, am glad that that's the decision that he made. Uh, but we've still got a great core group of wide receivers. I mean, obviously Brian Edwards is going to jump to the top of that pile, but the Jake Bentley's ability to pass the football has always been determined by their comfort level of running the football through injury, senior big, big time players leaving the, leaving the football program to graduation, the NFL, uh, we haven't had a stability at the running back position. Now, I'm not going to heap all of this on Tavian Feaster just because, oh, big-time transfer comes in. You know, you've still, got a, uh, you've still got two very capable running backs in Mondens and Enrico Dowdle that last year, once we got the groove of having those two play off of one another, they both made one another better. Um, Rico Dowdle being the more flashy big big time player, Mon Denson being the rumbling, stumbling, three yards in a cloud of dust type of guy, Tavian Feaster gives an extra wrinkle in that running game. I think you're gonna see a lot of running the football. Uh I think you're gonna see to carry on Joyner as well. So I think that this might actually be the most balanced South Carolina offense that we've had in five years. Yeah, your skill talent uh kind of terrifies me. Um an interesting note that UNC had on their depth chart, uh, Tomon Fox, who is kind of going to be the hybrid uh, defensive end slash rush linebacker. Um, I'm kind of pegging him for a 10-sack season. They're actually going okay. to play him at uh, outside linebacker in, kind of, in what's basically a 3-4 base alignment um, just to get a little bit more beef on the field. And when you look at Dowdle, Feaster, and Denson, you know, th- those are guys that, Given South Car- or North Carolina's deficiencies uh, stopping the run over the past decade, I think South Carolina's plan is going to be first and foremost to just absolutely just wear them out on the ground. Uh, UNC does not have much depth um, behind kind of the front guys on the defensive line, which is kind of my biggest red flag for the season. And then, of course, uh, in Typical UNC fashion, uh, they've got two of their best defensive players, Dominique Ross and Patrice Renee, suspended for the first half for what Larry Fedora characterized as a celebration after the state game. I call it a fight. Um, I think I think I think uh, I think your characterization of it is pretty close to the truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what 
All right, so 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 how's that going to work? I know that I know that Coach Brown was talking about not really not really knowing what the what the way to handle the suspension was. So they're going to suspend him for the first half of this game. Well, that that came down from the ACC. So uh, all the state guys that got suspended, they got to sit out the first half of a rescheduled ECU game um, on championship weekend last year. Uh, this is Carolina's first game since that kerfluffle. So uh, they are suspended by the ACC for the first half and. Patrice Renee, man, he is a huge loss, especially when you look at Brian Edwards, Shai Smith, Josh Van, all those dudes. Um, they don't have much behind him at corner. And UNC did get a nice boost. Uh, they got four-star freshman Cameron Kelly ruled eligible this week, but he's been running scout team. Um, he was in for spring at Auburn and then transferred to UNC to be closer to family. Um, I mean, I don't expect him to be a factor, but the back seven for UNC is going to be a mess for the first half. So I'm really interested to see if South Carolina kind of pounds the rock early with their three big backs, or if they go ahead and take some shots in the first half and try to put this game away. That's a, that's, that's a thing that I have never really known what to expect out of the first few minutes of a football game, especially the first drive or two. Uh, South Carolina's, proclivity over the last couple of seasons has been to attempt the run and since we haven't exactly had the most consistent availability from the top top tier of our running backs uh if it doesn't work then they tend to abandon the run pretty fast that that changed a little bit last season now obviously the uh the the bowl game versus virginia is a complete outlier and i want to forget that game immediately now and forever i can't even believe i brought it up uh but i I wasn't going to man i just you know it's gamecock life life, jeff it's just that's what it is i i got my shots in um about the schedule already so i I wasn't going to do that to you um real real quick um I, i I recognize Donnell Stanley as a name um, from the recruiting battle. Um, I assume he's kind of the leader of your offensive line. Just uh, pick out one more guy out of kind of a new group, real quick, and then we'll switch. We'll switch sides of the ball here. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you've got you do have a pretty you do have a pretty uh, you do have a pretty senior group from the as far as if I could call somebody else out other than. Donnell Stanley, um, Sedarius, Hutchins, Sedarius Hutcherson is uh, a really, really, really good player. Sammy Carley uh, might see some time. We've had a lot of turnover at the O-line position. Um, I'm honestly, I, I am concerned to say the least about the offensive line partly because it has just been an issue over the past couple of years and that to me is the x factor right now i really don't i really don't know how it's going to look i'm i'm hopeful but let's switch to defense yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at this. Um, if UNC is going to win this game, I think they're going to need to be plus two in turnovers, and that is going to start from confusing the offensive line uh, but just because nobody's seen Jay Bateman's uh, scheme with P5 talent yet. Uh, going to the South Carolina defense, 
UNC's biggest strength is the three-headed monster at running back in Michael Carter, Antonio, and Javante Williams. Um, unfortunately, they're running behind kind of a similarly question-filled offensive line. Uh, they've got all-ACC guy Charlie Heck back at left tackle, but we'll just kind of see from there. Um, unfortunately for the Heels, it looks like South Carolina's strength is on that defensive line. It really is. I mean, I, I think that if if there were a if there were a unit that I was really excited to watch play right now, uh, it, it would it would def, it would definitely be the defensive line. I mean, that's that is that is really where I am keying in on right now. Um, and one and and another thing that. that that helps me with that is not only do we have John Scott Jr. helping out with defensive line, the thing that really props me up is there's depth as well. So, you know, the, 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 the thing that worried me about last year, the issue that really cropped up is how long South Carolina's defense stayed on the field last year our time of possession from an offensive side. So if, if there's something that I'm really looking for now that there's depth, does that production drop off happen again and again and again? We just, we, we, we were never able to put games away because the defense stayed on the field for about 90 plays on average, which is just insane. They, they, They were, they were on the field for more than 90 plays twice. They were on the field for more than 80 plays four times. And I don't think they had a game where they were on the field for less than 70. Yeah, they were on the field. They were on on the field for 98 plays against uh, Ole Miss, who, uh, familiar face alert, uh, Phil Longo is now the OC at Carolina, so at North Carolina. Correct. Um, Yeah, so that kind of gives me some false hope. Um, The thought of Javon Kinlaw lining up right over center against Nick Polino, who he started for two years, but they moved him inside to center uh, from right guard. It's kind of keeping me up at night um, because I'm flashing back to Jonathan Cooper, who was a top 10 pick in the NFL. Uh, the heels moved him to center for the LSU game back in 2010, and he got abused, uh, just not really right. able to snap and then pick up his box. And I am horrified that I'm going to relive that nightmare. But, you know, at the <laughs> end of the at, at the end of the day, I mean, if the UNC O-line holds up, I do think they're going to be able to control possession a little bit. It's just going to come down to the factor of, well, we are starting a very highly touted but um, very raw true freshman in Sam Howell at quarterback. And, you know, basically everything that people say about him is you read gunslinger mentality very early on. That could be great for the heels or it could spell disaster. Hey, you know that's 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 the thing, and we've we've been there and done that with Jake Bentley, and the gunslinger mentality rings true. I I certainly am excited to watch that kid play at UNC because from 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 what I've seen, he is a very explosive, very electric player that could make a huge difference on that roster. But uh, yeah, I am I am I'm actually I'm really I'm. I'm smirking right now, and I'm, I, I bet you can probably tell. But I am excited to see what uh, to see what DJ Wanham and Rodriguez Fitton and Javon Kidlaw uh, can do in the backfield um, for 
a little bit on Saturday if they get back there. Yeah, I think and there's just and just as an aside, uh, I'm I'm trying to will this into existence. I just wanted to give bring you in on a little inside baseball here, at least from the Gabacast perspective. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, we're trying to will this into existence. You will you will refer to him by his by his new nickname that we've crowned him as Galactus. If you remember the old cartoon character from back mid '90s, I love it. Um, I, I will definitely trumpet that and uh just remind me to put that in uh my post for this uh podcast and if we put it on twitter it will eventually will its way into existence that's that's what i'm hopeful for the only thing that i've really been good good at thus far is to call when we get upset so i'm trying to change that man i i respect it you know it's new season we, we we've got to start with new ju- juju somewhere man um UNC's receivers are a little bit inexperienced as well. Uh, they did kind of put their three most talented guys first on the depth chart, uh, which is encouraging to me for their development. Uh, Deami Brown and Antoine Green are two uh, true sophomores that played fairly spar- sparingly last year. And then Daz Newsom is kind of the electric talent that's going to replicate. He- he's not going to replicate what AJ Brown did for Ole Miss last year, but he's going to play that role out of the slot. Um, do you have any concerns about UNC's passing game uh, as far as the receivers go? And, you know, y'all have a younger defensive backfield. Uh, who, who are some of the playmakers back there? Um, I'm terrified of J.C. Horn and still waiting for Jameis Williams to kind of emerge. Yeah, you know, we've we, – we, and, and I think that some of the, some of the issue last year uh, – yeah, obviously we had a we got dealt a crushing blow on defense. I mean, we were basically plucking kids out of the student section at at at, at one point at the end of the season just to try and field a full defensive backfield. Um, you know, when you have a when you have a football team that has eighteen players on the roster that had surgery last year, and sixteen of those players were on the defensive side of the football, uh, we just we just were we were we were Swiss cheese at that point. Um, that's been largely my concern over the off season is to get everybody healthy, get everybody back in and going. Um, you know, I I I I am really high on Israel Mukamu. I'm high, obviously, on J.C. Horn, uh, but R.J. Roderick is a is a player I think to take a peek at. Um, I think our defensive secondary got got kind of a bad rap last year, partly because they the defensive line just couldn't rush the quarterback. There, there, there was no pressure being placed. And I think that also lends itself to the reason why we were a very abysmal pedestrian run defense last year. Um, yeah, obviously, DJ, DJ Wanham's there, but uh, Zach Pickens is also a, a, a good addition, granted not – not a not a veteran player by any stretch of the imagination, but very, very, very capable, very talented player. Um, apart from that, you know, that I, I think that I think that TJ Brunson is this is this is his year to have a put up or shut up type of year, and 
insofar as much as that, that, that I feel like he has the ability to be one of those guys that plays from the linebacker position to just be a sack machine if he's given the opportunity. Um, but yeah, as far as, as far as North Carolina's wide receivers, there is a, there is a pretty big height mismatch. Um, South Carolina's fielding some pretty little, some pretty little secondary members. Uh, and y'all have got a pretty tall stable of wide receivers. So I am a little bit worried about that one, but we'll see how, we'll see how good our secondary is at climbing the tree come Saturday to come up and get some, get some 50, 50 balls. And I'm, I'm just really excited to see how this football team gels with all that I've heard on the off season. Yeah, you you mentioned the injuries. Uh, UNC's lost over a hundred starts to injuries each of the past two years, and that kind of feeds into my I don't really know what the hell's going on um, that I've <laughs> kind of touted here. So. You know what, Richard? We are not so different, you and I. Um, we are both kind of self-loathing fans of our teams, is what I'm gathering. Um, so, you, as, so this, so this, so this whole one Carolina nonsense really isn't all that far off. No, I mean let's just combine our teams. Y'all come play in the ACC Coastal, and uh, we'll come back to Charlotte in December and take another shot at Clemson. Can we all just agree that Clemson sucks? I mean, I think that's something that we can all agree on. Man, they're really fun to watch, though. Um, I, I felt yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll I, I felt so bad last night just watching that. I, I felt so bad watching that because you know Paul Johnson wouldn't have put up with that crap. No, and I, I was not surprised that Clemson kind of called off the dogs. But when you have Travis Etienne, I mean, good lord, you know, there's only so much you can do. Uh, you can but, he 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 falls down and gains six yards, but that's another story for another time. It is, man. Um, you know, if 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 we want to start ramping up the hatred a little bit, uh, I do have a master's degree from Georgia, so when that game comes up, you are more than welcome to give me another call. Um, but <laughs> again, hey, I, hey, I've got a I've got a master's degree from Clemson, so oh, who am right? I to say? <laughs> well, uh, you are a walking enigma, sir, and uh, that's why I, that that's what makes us SB Nation podcasters. I would say, bingo. Uh, Ri- that's right, Richard. What's your X factor for this game? And I mean, I guess it's time. Let's uh, let's make a pick here. All right, I'll do it two ways. X factor for this game, and I and I and I re and and I, and I will reiterate my opinion from earlier in the show that the, the offensive line is the humongous thing for me. This 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 game, it all centers around Jake Bentley's time in the pocket and the ability for the offensive line either to get pushed for the running game, create running lanes, or to give Jake Bentley time. Offensive line is my big X factor. My pick, I've already. Uh, I've already just made everybody else cringe in Gamecock Nation by predicting a a game in which Carolina scores the final points of the game to win 28-20. But I'm going to tweak that slightly and say that uh, it's 27-21 South Carolina. Okay. Um, There we are. There you go. For me, kind of the X factor is South Carolina has to win this game, you know, when you look at that schedule. North Carolina. Yeah, you aren't kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, North Carolina would very much like to win this game. But where South Carolina can get well against Charleston Southern next week, uh, the Heels have Miami coming in next week. So I think 
South Carolina's going to play maybe with just a little bit more uh, of a sense of urgency, and that will lead to a 34-23 South Carolina victory in my book. Wow. Okay, so let the record reflect that the North Carolina fan thinks that South Carolina is going to win by more points than the South Carolina guy does. That is, you know what? That is me in a nutshell, Chad. <laughs> Man, it, it, it is hard out here. Um, you're, you're talking to a guy who last time these two teams played, South Carolina won 17-13. South Carolina won two more games and lost to the Citadel. Uh, UNC won their next 11 games, was a bullshit offsides call from having a chance to at least tie Clemson and take them to overtime. That's, so, yes, yeah, that's I mean, true. Since then, it's all been downhill. I mean, they squandered a season of Mitch Trubisky, and it has just been an utter collapse since then. So uh, the self-loathing is very real, my man. It all comes to an end because we actually get to watch our team play football tomorrow. Yep. We finally get to stop speculating and start uh, having some stuff on paper to talk about because, like I said, I have no idea what to expect from this uh, UNC team. So I'm just going to expect the expected and say South Carolina wins. And, you know, at uh, minus 10 and a half, I feel pretty confident in, a, in an 11-point loss because uh, UNC also does not cover very often. Uh, Richard, man, okay. where can the people find you? I, I know uh, this is going to end up on your podcast feed as well, so um, they probably already know where to find you. But just so we have some musings from a guy who's not going to be at the game and hopefully watching intently on the Twitter machine. I'm going to be I'm going to be wrestling with a four year old and a two year old. So I will. Partly be uh, partly be wrestling with a four-year-old and a two-year-old on Saturday, but I'm going to try my best to watch every single second of this football game. Not that you would want to find me, but you can always find us at Gabba Tech. We're the Garnet and Black Attack South Carolina Fan Nation site. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DC3Tweets. You can find our podcast at the GabbaCast. And wherever podcasts are distributed – you can always find us. It's been a pleasure to be on here, Chad. I really appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, man. Um, have a great weekend at the beach. Uh, y'all can find me at Chad underscore Floyd. And obviously at Tar Heel blog is going to be where whoever's doing our musings about the game will be doing their musings about the game. Um, I really appreciate you joining me, man. Uh, may y'all lose tomorrow. And from there, hopefully Exceed expectations. You know what? I think you would trade a North Carolina loss for an Alabama win. I'll take it all day and every day. And and also, too, you guys feel free to check into the Garnet and Black Attack Twitter feed in case things get a little bit rough during the football game. There's always puppy gifts on game day. So there's that. That is the biggest selling point that uh, you have come up with, good sir. Um, I, I will look for that. and. Until next time, guys, uh, we've got real football to talk about, so we will talk about what happened sometime soon. Thanks for listening.